Listening to the Bellator Christie podcast, brought to you by BellatorChristie.com. Now join your host, Brian Chilton, as we enter the arena of ideas. how God works. A lot of what Ashley was talking about is uh, part of the message today. <laughs> we didn't collaborate together either on that. That message shows the power of Almighty God. Uh, we do want to, uh, uh, again, invite you to turn with us in a copy of God's Word to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13, and we're going to read through chapter 5, verse 11. Uh, we, as you know, we've been going through a series of messages entitled, uh, basically titled after C.S. Lewis's uh, great book called Mere Christianity. And we've been looking at the core fundamentals of the Christian faith. And thus far, we, uh, there's about nine or ten messages in this series, so we're, we're coming to a close on this series. And in fact, our last message in this series is going to be a segue into our next series uh, on the church, which itself is going to be a, a segue into a series that I'm really anticipating, really looking forward to as we go through the book of Acts. I've always wanted to preach through the book of Acts, and so I'm looking forward to that uh, series of messages forthcoming. Uh, thus far in this series, we've already noted six fundamentals of Christianity. One, that God is exclusive, meaning he's the only one, that he's eternal, that he is transcendent beyond the scope of creation, and that he's personal, working within creation. Our second statement we found, our second message we found, that Jesus is 100% God and 100% man. To take away either one of those attributes or to take away who Jesus really is. Number three, we saw that Jesus' incarnation, the virgin birth, is absolutely essential to allow for the atoning work that Jesus would do on the cross. Number four... We noted that Jesus literally and physically rose from the dead on the first Easter Sunday. It wasn't a spiritual experience that people had. They didn't see a ghost or anything like that. They didn't call ghostbusters or anything like that on the first Easter Sunday. They literally saw the literal physical body of Jesus as witnessed, as we noted, over by over 530 witnesses over the course of 40 days. We also noted in our fifth message that the one God is made up of three persons, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And last week we, we spoke about the gospel fundamentals and that the gospel tells us that Christ died to save people from their sins and this in fact is rooted in the love of God. But folks, it doesn't end there. It keeps getting better and better and better as we move along. Today we're looking at the core fundamental 
of Christ's return. Now, we're not going to talk about blood moons and timetables or anything like that today. We're going to talk about the core essentials, just the facts, man, just the facts of the core essentials of Christ's return. So we do welcome you to stand in honor of God, the reading and hearing of God's precious holy word as we read 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13 through chapter 5, verse 11. Paul is writing this to the church of Thessalonica. Uh, they had been uh, confronted by different ideas, different opinions, and he was bringing them back to the teachings of Jesus, uh, the very fundamentals of the faith. And this is what he says. But I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep. The word sleep here is used as a metaphor talking about those who have passed away. Just as we don't say die, we say passed away, similar language here. He says, lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, if we believe in the resurrection, then even so God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep. Oh, it gets good here in verse 16. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore comfort one another with these words. But concerning the times and the seasons, brethren, you have no need that I should write to you. For you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so comes as a thief in the night. For when they say, peace and safety, then sudden destruction comes upon them as labor pains upon a pregnant woman. And they shall not escape. But you, brethren, are not in darkness, so that this day should overtake you as a thief. You are all sons of light and sons of the day. We are not of the night nor of the darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as others do, but let us watch and be sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night. And those who get drunk are drunk at night. But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and as a helmet the hope of salvation. Some pieces of the armor of God there. For God did not appoint us to wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, that whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with him. Therefore comfort each other and edify one another, just as you also are doing. Dear kind and gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for the words of Scripture we've read today. And Lord, what a blessed hope we have in your coming. And so Lord, we just ask today, Lord, that you would just speak through me, Lord. Allow me just to simply be your mouthpiece. Allow me to say the words that need to be spoken and hold back any that don't need to be spoken. And in through it all, Lord, we ask that you would open our eyes, that we would see, our ears that we would hear, and our hearts that will apply these truths and be better for it. For it's in Jesus' name we ask all these things. Amen and amen. You may be seated. <coughs> I came across a story this week that I found quite funny. It's about a CEO 
uh, CEO was, uh, had just been hired to this company, and he had uh, quite a good paycheck, in fact, as most CEOs do. And he told the board members, I'm going to make a difference while here. I I'm going to go in and I'm going to get rid of all the slackers of this company. That's going to be my primary objection, or my primary goal, my primary task. I'm going to go in and I'm going to get rid of all the slackers. And so sure enough, the first day in the, on the job, he goes into one of the plants of this large corporation and he walks, walks around determined he's going to find some slackers and get rid of them. And sure enough, it didn't take him long until he walked up and noticed a guy leaning against the wall like this. And so he goes up to this guy and he says, let me ask you something, sir. How much do you make in a week? He says, about $400 a week. And the CEO reaches in his uh, wallet and pulls out $400 and he says, here you go. That's your week's pay. Now get out of here and I don't want to see you again. You're a slacker. Leave this place. Everybody's eyes got really large. And this guy, he actually had a big smile on his face, and he said, okay. So he walks out the door. Well, this puzzled the CEO. That wasn't the response that he had intended. Why did he smile skipping out the door? So he asks one of the employees, he says, who was that guy leaning against the wall that I just sent out? The other guy says, I don't know. He's a Domino's pizza delivery. This is his first day here. I don't suppose that that uh, Domino's Pizza delivery guy would come back there because after that tipper, maybe he would want to come back. I don't know. But needless to say, as we look at life, we look at uh, the things that take place, we know and realize that things are off. Mistakes happen. Things go awry. As we look at this world and look at the morning newspapers, it's one piece of bad news after another. I mean, when we think that things can't get any worse, it seems like they always show that they can but beloved we in Christ Jesus have a blessed hope now if you if you've taken theology courses you know that there are many different interpretations about how and when Jesus is going to return there's premillennialists which I, I am one who believe that Jesus is going to come back and he's going to set up a millennial reign here on earth for a thousand years but there are those who are also called post-millennialists. They believe that this millennial reign is symbolic of the age of the church. There are amillennialists who believe the same. And of, of the premillennialists, you have pre-tribbers who believe that Christ is going to return before the time of tribulation. Some who believe he's going to return in the middle of the tribulation. And some who believe he's going to return afterwards. Let's just sweep that aside, okay? Let's just look at the core brass tacks of it all. And the core fundamental is... Jesus is coming back. When and how, I know not. You know, what's going to accompany it, I don't know. But what I do know is he's coming back. And beloved, if we have that simple, core, fundamental truth wrapped up in our minds, the world, everything looks a whole lot better. Amen? So there are four fundamentals that we want to examine today through Paul's teaching to the Thessalonian church, the Thessalonian church. Four fundamentals. And again, we're not going to get into all the details and differences of opinion because we could be here a month and still not cover all the differences. But I want to just simply look at the brass tacks of it all. Like Sergeant Joe Friday, just the facts, ma'am. That's what we're going to investigate today. And four fundamental truths... That, that are absolutely certain that we find in the teachings of Scripture. Number one, we see the fundamental, and we encourage you to follow along in the insert of your bulletin, the fundamental of Christ's real return. It's a reality that Christ is going to return. 
It's a reality, you know. And again, there are differences of opinion about what's going to accompany it when, it when he comes. But the reality is, is that we understand that Jesus is coming back. It's a core fundamental truth that he is returning to this world. And we see two things that bring about this reality. Two things that are in, involved in this reality. And in verse 13 we see that this is based upon the reality of Christ's hope. Look what he says, I don't want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep, lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. As we mentioned earlier, sleep was a metaphor for death. But really for the Christian, as we're going to see, death has no power over us. Amen? Christ has defeated death. And through Christ, death has died. Through the resurrection, we have hope based upon the reality of his resurrection. We understand that we are never separated from God. To live is Christ and to die is gain. Amen? To live, I mean, we're, we, we, we are a winner either way. That reminds me, uh, Furnos and Mom and Dad, many of you may have known him as well. Some of you may have known him as well. There was a gentleman by the name of Ricky Smitherman. Dan and I, we took him fishing quite a bit. He had Parkinson's disease. In fact, the Parkinson's is, had, had, had bent him over quite a bit and had made it difficult for him to even breathe uh, because of that. And so uh, they took him, the doctors were wanting to do a, a surgery that took about 9 to 10 hours where they were wanting to put braces through his spine to straighten his spine up to allow him to breathe because it was getting to where he couldn't even breathe anymore. And so he was a little concerned about this surgery because it was going to be a very extensive surgery. And so I spoke with him before he was to have the surgery and he told me, he says, Brian, he says, I don't know what's going to take place. But he says, you know what? I'm a winner either way. If I live, I win. If I die, I win. Either way, I'm a winner. Because if I die, I go to be with Christ. If I live, I continue to live with my family. So the way I'm looking at it, it's a win-win situation. You know, unfortunately, Ricky passed away after having the surgery. The Parkinson's was far worse than anyone had ever anticipated. But you know what? I remember before he passed, he looked at me on the board there at Yakinville Nursing Center that were the words of John 3.16. The last thing he ever showed me is he was pointing to John 3.16 as if to tell me, keep preaching it, son. You keep preaching that. That's what it's all about, that God so loved the world that, that, uh, that he, it's God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. That's the blessed hope that we have through Christ. That either way, we're a winner. We live, we win. We die, we win. Either way, we're a winner in Christ Jesus. And we have that blessed hope through the resurrection. We have that blessed hope through the return of Christ. But we also see that this is based upon the reality of Christ's promise. Christ made some tremendous promises in his life. You know, he promised his disciples that he was going to die. He was going to die a very vicious death. And you know what? He did. He died one of the most excruciating deaths anyone could ever imagine. But he also told his disciples, on the third day I'm going to rise again. They didn't completely understand what he was talking about. But guess what? Jesus rose from the dead just as he said over 530 people saw him alive. Over 500 people saw him alive at one time. And since they only counted men, that may even skyrocket to over 2,000 people who saw him alive at one time. So he said he was going to die and he did. He said he was going to raise from the dead, and he did. He said, I'm going to ascend to heaven, and guess what he did? He also said, I'm coming back. Guess what? He will. 
If, if you have a person that makes those kind of promises and fulfills those kind of promises, understand, beloved, it's not a matter of if Christ is going to return. It's a matter of when he's going to return. Jesus says, uh, you remember this scripture, John 14. He says, don't let your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. But I go and prepare a place for you that where I am, there you may be also. Do you believe this, he asks. And that's the wonderful truth we have in scripture. The reality is we have a mansion being prepared for us. We were talking about this morning, uh, we were driving up the road to church. Grayson said, I want a mansion. He may have to wait a while on that. <laughs> I hope he's not holding his breath on that. But he says, I want a mansion. But, you know, Jennifer says, you know, honey, we already have a mansion in heaven. And, he, and she, he says, she said, Jesus has already prepared us a mansion in heaven. He says, yeah, but mom, I'd like one on earth too. Well, that'd be nice, but I don't anticipate that happening. But anyhow, we see the reality of Christ's return in verses 13 and 17. But we also see in verses 13 through 18 of chapter 4 the fundamental of Christ's resurrecting return. Whenever Christ returns, however it happens, whenever it happens, I'm going to tell you it's going to get good. Amen? It's going to be really good when he returns. Because look at the promises we have here. And through uh, verses uh, 13 through 18... Uh, he talks about, for we believe that Jesus died and rose again. Even God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. We see that there's a two-part phase to Christ's return. That when, when the trump of God sounds, Christ is going to descend from heaven. And when he does, he's going to resurrect the saints of God. And beloved, just as Jesus was resurrected, so we too will be, have a resurrected body. We see in verses 14 and 16, Christ resurrects first those in paradise. Look at verses 14. He says, For we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. He says also in verse 16, uh, for the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. When we lose a loved one, you know, we mourn over that loved one. But understand, that person's not dead. Amen? That person's very much alive. Jesus said, Jesus made it very clear in John chapter 11, before he raised Lazarus from the dead, he says to, Mar to Martha, I believe it is, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he dies, yet shall he live. Everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? Death has died in Christ Jesus. Amen? To live in Christ is to live eternally with him. He also says to the criminal of the cross. You remember this story in Luke's gospel, Luke chapter 23? One criminal was there on the cross saying, Jesus, why don't you rescue yourself? Get down from that cross. And the other criminal says to him, don't you fear God? What's wrong with you, man? We deserve to be up here, but this man has done nothing wrong. He says to Jesus, Jesus, remember me when you enter your kingdom. You remember what Jesus said? Surely I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. He didn't say tomorrow. He didn't say next week. He didn't say next month. He didn't say at the end of time. He says, today you will be with me in paradise. 
to live as Christ, to die as gain. Paul says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And beloved, when, the, when Christ returns, the saints of God are coming with them. I'm going to tell you something. I can't help it. Lord, forgive me if it's wrong. But, you know, a lot of times we speak of those we've lost as being in the past tense. I speak of my grandpa, and I don't say Odell Sisk was a good man. I say he is a good man. I don't say Ruth Beatty was a good woman. She is a good woman. Why do I say this? Because she's not dead. Amen? She's not dead. She's more alive than she's ever been. Grandpa's more alive than he's ever been. And when Christ returns, the saints of God are coming with him. Same thing with George Stillman. Boy, can't you imagine when he comes back, he's going to have a big old smile on his face. I believe he's probably already looking at these windows, June, and saying, man, that's look good. <laughs> and I'm going to tell you, you talk about something being cleaned out, this graveyard back here, it's going to be cleaned out. When Christ returns, the dead in Christ are coming with him. It's going to be cleaned out. And then we also see in verses 15 and 17 that those who are alive and remain will be caught up to meet him in the air. We use the term rapture. It comes from the Latin word raptus, which means to be caught up. also comes from the Greek term parousia, which means the same thing. Which means this, when Christ returns, those of us who are alive when he returns... It gets really good for us. We don't even have to die. We're instantaneously changed right then and there, and we're called up to meet the Lord in the air where, where he is, and I think we're going to ride in Jerusalem with him victorious. Right in as he steps his feet on the Mount of Olives, splits the Mount of Olives wide in two, and declares victory over this world. Beloved, it's getting good. It's only going to get better. So with those of us in Christ, we have every reason to hope. But we also see in chapter 5, verses 1 through 4, the fundamental of Christ's random return. We see that it's a real return. It's a resurrecting return. <coughs> but we also see that it's a random return. And by this, I'm not saying that you roll the dice and it happens ever so often. I'm saying there's no way that anyone can ever predict when Jesus is coming back. So if you see someone on television... Or if you read in a book someone saying that Jesus is coming back in 2017, turn off the TV, throw the book in the trash can, because that person obviously has no clue what they're talking about. Why do I say this? Well, for two reasons. One, look what Paul says. He says, and he's using Jesus' language here, in verses 1, 2, and 4, he says that this day is going to be like a thief. The randomness of Christ's return is likened to a thief. Now, last time I checked, when someone's going to steal something, they're probably not going to call Philip, who's a police officer, and say, Hey, Philip, Philip, I'm going to go, um, you know, if, if I were a thief, which I'm not, I'm saying, Hey, Philip, I'm going to tonight at 12 o'clock go in June and Patsy's house and, and steal their dogs from, out, from behind their house. I'm just going to let you know. That would be the dumbest thing anybody would ever do. June, June would be ready for me. Philip would be ready for me, and I have a feeling that a SWAT team would be ready for me if I was to be that dumb, which I wouldn't do that, but I'm just saying if someone were to. Jesus tells us that this day is going to be like a thief. He says, but of that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. So let me tell you something. It is the most arrogant thing that anyone can ever say that they know more than the Son of God. It's the most arrogant thing that anyone can ever say, I know more than the angels in heaven. I know the exact time when Jesus is coming back. 
no one knows but the Father alone. So for heaven's sakes, we as in a church have got to stop making these date predictions thinking we know when Christ is going to return. No one knows. Not even the Son, he says, only the Father alone. It's going to happen like a thief. We also see in verse 3 of chapter 5 that it's going to be like birth pains. Now, why does he use the word birth pains? Ladies, those of you who've had babies, Ashley can testify to this. It don't feel good, does it? I remember Jennifer was really good whenever, whenever she had Grayson. But they had to induce labor, you know, uh, for us. And, and I remember the only, the only time she even said anything, you know, uh, which wasn't bad. It was probably my stupidity showing. Is, and she'd agree with that. <coughs> is, uh, you know, they broke her water. And I noticed her face got really red. Her eyes got big. Her pupils dilated. I said, wow, honey, that looked like that hurt. I know, it was dumb on my part. She looked at me, she says, I don't need you to tell me that that looked like that hurt. It did hurt. <laughs> so I backed off and went to reading the book and thought I better hush where I was ahead. <laughs> but needless to say, when he uses the term like, like birth pains, what he's simply saying is that whenever the return happens, we can expect that things are going to be a little off kilter in the world. In fact, what we, we, can, we can expect there to be persecutions. We can expect there to be evil in the world. We can expect it to get worse and worse and worse. In fact, Jesus himself says in Matthew 24, For many will come in my name claiming I am the Messiah and will deceive many. You will hear of wars and rumors of wars, but see to it that you're not alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. Nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All of these are the beginning of the birth pains. Now, ladies, you, you, you had, those of you who had children, you know, it hurt quite a bit. But would you say in the end it was worth it? Amen. Beloved, that's the same point that's being made here in Scripture. We're going through difficult times. It's going to get worse. But understand, in the end, it's going to be worth it. Because when Christ returns and we experience the glories and wonders of heaven, we're going to forget about all this other stuff. Amen? All this other stuff. I mean, Paul even says, listen, he says, I've been persecuted. I've been beaten. I've been stoned. I've been left for dead. I've been shipwrecked. I've been bitten by snakes. I've been, everything you can imagine has happened to me. But these are only temporary afflictions compared to the glories we find in Christ Jesus. We're going to suffer a lot of things in this world, beloved. Understand that Bible, the Bible, Jesus never promises us an easy road. He promises us his presence through the difficulties of this life. And so just like the birth pains, the pain is intense, the pain is bad, but in the end it will be worth it all when we see the glories of heaven. Last but certainly not least, we see the fundamental of Christ's reassuring return. In verses 5 through 11, I won't reread it as we're running down on time, but we see... That Christ's return, the reality of Christ's return brings us and provides us a reassurance that we need to keep working for the Lord. Don't give up. Don't let evil overtake you. Don't be frustrated to the point that you're willing to give up, throw up your hands and, and say, I quit to the ministry of Christ. Keep doing what Christ has called you to do because in the end it's going to be worth it all. We see, first of all, Christ's return reassures us to live prepared in verses 5 through 8. 
We're not to live, he says, and he uses the illustration of light and darkness. Light is representing God's presence, goodness, holiness, love, compassion, all of these things. Darkness represents the powers of Satan, evil, and, and all these things that are associated with that. And he says to the Christian, don't live in darkness because you're not children of the darkness. You're children of the light. Understand Christ, the return of Christ means that he could come at any moment. What will he find us doing when he returns? Will he be pleased at what he finds when he returns? That's why we need to wear the breastplate of righteousness and the helmet of salvation and live with full self-control and the assurance and knowledge knowing that Christ is returning and be prepared for his return. I shared with our Wednesday night Bible study when I had my wisdom teeth extracted. They gave me this uh, drug called Ativan before I was to go to the, to the dental surgeon. And I, I didn't know what this stuff was. In fact, it was a small amount, about five milligrams. <laughs> so I told Grace, and I said, honey, I don't know what this is going to do. So I'm going to go over here and sit in a recliner. And uh, you just stay over there because I, I have no clue what this is going to do. We'll wait for Mama to pick us up and take us to the surgeon. So I take this, and I'm sitting there thinking, what is this stuff? Why did I even take this stuff? It's not even doing anything. It's not doing anything at all. And about that time, I looked out the window, and it looked like the trees were growing bigger and coming closer at me to me. And I looked at my hand, and my hand started doing this number as I was moving. It looked like a strobe light shining. And then all of a sudden, I see Grayson's face going in front of me. He says, Daddy, are you okay? <laughs> I'm thinking to myself, oh, wow. <laughs> that was some powerful stuff there. And so I talked to the uh, surgeon uh, or the surgeon assistants, and I, and I said, man, alive, that stuff is powerful. And she said, Would you, can you believe that there are people who take two of those a day? I said, I don't see how in the world they even do that. I mean, I mean if you need it, you need it. I mean, I'm not saying that, but man, I was just, it just was weird. But what we find is as a Christian, in a Christian life, we need to live in full self-control. We need to live in the light of God, understanding that Christ could return at any moment. But his return also reassures us of peace. It brings us the reassurance of Christ's peace. We can live in peace because of the knowledge that despite how bad things are, how bad things may become, God is going to fix it all. This past week I, I watched a, a special on Netflix. It was on the, the Holocaust and, and I saw the horrors that those poor people endured. And then I saw the callousness of those individuals, the guards, even some who were still alive. They interviewed some of the individuals at Auschwitz who worked in the SS who, who, who killed and massacred many of these people and they did not have a bit of remorse whatsoever. And that just frightens me. That type of mentality, that type of thought process frightens me. How can someone become that depraved that they're willing to massacre 11 million people and not even feel sorry for it? What's wrong with people? But as I see that, I also was brought to mind that 90% of the individuals at Auschwitz were never tried for war crimes. But then it's dawned upon me, after that went off, I happened to watch the movie Risen after that. And then it dawned upon me that while 90% of those in Auschwitz were never tried, 0% of them will escape the judgment of God. Because God is going to right all the wrongs of this world. You, we can run, we can hide, but you can't escape the power and presence of God. God knows all, God sees all, and in the end, when Christ returns, he's going to fix all this mess that we have here on planet Earth. 
So instead of us being captivated and, and crippled by fear and worry and doubt, let us find the full assurance of peace that comes through Jesus Christ in knowing that one day he's going to fix this mess. And when he does, beloved, it's going to be a whole lot better. Amen? Let me cl- close with this. When I worked, at, uh, I worked at an industry one time before, and they had uh, the CEO of the company who was supposed to come. And my goodness, I'm going to tell you something. People went crazy. They lost their minds. I saw people that were almost in tears, worried about how their, their station was going to look for the CEO. People running around like chickens with their heads cut off. I mean, it was like, it was crazy. It was madness. All because the CEO was coming. And I was working, this was, actually at, uh, this was actually at a manufacturing plant, and just my luck, as the CEO was walking by, some of the machines had, had fallen apart, and I was working with maintenance trying to get this thing up and going. So he came by, shook hands, and just walked on, and there was no problem to it. But I thought, I thought about this this week as I was preparing the message. What if we all lived with the anticipation that Jesus is coming back the way those individuals did that that CEO was coming? What if we all lived with the anticipation and knowledge that Jesus could come back at any moment, at any time? You know, he could come back before this service is over, amen? He could come back before the day closes. We don't know. Only the Father in heaven knows when he's going to send his son. So do we live with that anticipation? Do we live with that knowledge that Jesus is coming soon, morning or night or noon? Do we live with that anticipation? And furthermore, with every head bowed and every eye closed, do we live with the assurance that we know, that we know, that we know that we've been born again? The Apostle John writes in his first letter that he writes these things so that we may know that we have eternal life in him. Beloved, you don't have to doubt or question your faith. You don't have to doubt or question your salvation. Do you know, are you absolutely certain that you've been born again? And if you do, and if you have been, then you have every reason to have peace in your life the love and comfort of God in your life. But if you don't know and you're not sure, won't you come down to this altar and make things right with the Lord? We don't know. Today may be the day the Lord returns. So if you're here today and you've never accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior, let me encourage you to come down and receive him today. You say, preacher, you don't know the things I've done in my life. I don't need to know. You know what? God already does and he loves you anyhow. And he's willing to save you despite it all. So if you're here today and you've never Receive Christ as your Savior, won't you come? Or maybe you're here today and you'd like to join the ministry of Huntsville Baptist Church. Whatever the Lord is saying and doing in your heart and your life, let me just encourage you to come as the Spirit calls. Dear kind and gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you and praise you for loving us the way you do. And Lord, while there are many differences of opinions about the winds and the whys and the hows, we thank you for the sweet assurance that we have that Lord, one, you have risen from the dead, and number two, that you're coming back to call your church home. And Lord, we thank you for that. We thank you for that precious promise. So we just ask today that through your Holy Spirit that you would bless over this congregation. For those who already know you, we just ask that you provide them with peace, wrap your loving arms around them, and let them know that they are born again and that they have sweet assurance of knowing that they have life in you. But for those who may not be sure, we ask, Lord, that you would bring bring them to that assurance today that we can only find in you. We thank you for all that you do for us and all that you continue to do. For we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Would you please stand as we sing our final selection.
God's blessings be upon you, and I look forward to seeing you at our next appointed time. Uh, at this time, I'm going to ask Brother Nolan if he would to close us with a word of prayer. The Bellator Christi podcast is a production of bellatorchristi.com and is protected under Creative Commons copyright. All rights are reserved. The views expressed by guests on the podcast are of those expressing them and may not represent those of the host Bellator Christi Ministries or its affiliates. The theme played on the podcast is the song Epic and is produced royalty-free by Bensound Studios found at bensound.com. Visit bellatorchristi.com and subscribe by entering your email to receive all the articles and podcasts in your inbox absolutely free. This podcast can also be found on several podcatchers including iTunes, Stitcher, and TuneIn. We thank you for joining us today. For Brian Chilton, this is Burl Childers saying God bless and we'll see you next time as we enter into the arena of ideas.